The Phoenix Suns take care of business yet again. Another double-digit home victory. We'll break it down. DeAndre Ayton's big night, Cam Johnson's big night. Preview thoughts on Suns Warriors Part 3 on Christmas Day. Let's get into it. Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns as a credential media member, contributor at suns.com, as well as Dime Magazine. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single day, even on Christmas Eve. I'm giving you guys that holiday episode. The number one way you can give me a gift is by doing exactly what you're doing and maybe one step more helping us to grow this show little by little. You're already listening. You're already watching. That's step one. Number two is subscribing, whether that is on whatever audio platform you happen to find us or on YouTube, of course. I'll flash everybody the goods one more time here. We are the Valley. This towel could be yours when we get to 750 subs on the YouTube channel. And then 1,000 subscribers this little guy, Kelly Oubre, could be yours as well. Um, randomly selecting a subscriber to win those treats when we get to those benchmarks. So help me get there. From you to me, I give you guys five shows a week. You give me the subscribe. You give me the gift. And I keep giving you the podcast. That's how this all works. And we have uh, uh, quite a bit to talk about today, actually. So let's dive in. 113 to 101. The Suns beat the Oklahoma City Thunder. Came back from a halftime deficit, which was about the fakest deficit that I feel like you could possibly see. This felt very much like the October Phoenix Suns, not the November and December Phoenix Suns. They just did not feel like they uh, really were putting every ounce of effort into it. And turns out you can still beat the Thunder without every ounce of effort. So I want to give you a couple of takeaways, one segment of recap this time, not the full show. So we'll pack it all in. This episode, guys, is brought to you by Truebill, the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for, most importantly, the subscriptions that you don't want or need. Truebill can even negotiate better deals on the ones you want to keep. So box score wise, the obvious thing I think to to circle and to really highlight and that this game put into pretty obvious perspective is the Suns are are back to figuring out or they have figured out they're back to executing a clear three-headed monster and we saw that you know at times in I, I would say especially the second and third rounds of the playoffs you know you'll obviously game six of the conference finals you have Paul for 41 points, but it felt like we were we were seeing a really good mix of those three guys, Booker, Paul, and Aiton, all at one time. And I don't necessarily think that that's happened this season because at the beginning of the win streak, Aiton was out and it was actually Kaminsky, of course, and then Booker missed a little bit of the time recently. Chris Paul has, you know, been reticent to really be in attack mode all that often, but this game was a nice reminder of what it looks like when all three guys are 
at their best and, and peaking together and playing off of one another. And you had 19 and 12 for Aiton. You had 16, 7, and 5 for Chris. And then you had 37 and 7 for Booker. Those 14 assists between the starting backcourt compared to just four turnovers. So, you know, it's it's not necessary in every game for all three of those guys to play at the top of their powers offensively because there are other people on this team that can step up. But when it really clicks, it just feels like there's nothing that really can be done. You're seeing, you know, Booker off the ball. You're seeing Paul and Booker sharing the initiation. You're seeing Booker running a lot of pick and roll. You're seeing both of those guys feeding Aiton on lobs and post uh, post plays and everything else. You're obviously seeing the transition chemistry that this team continues to have. And, and when all three of those guys are going, it's, it's just a sight to behold. The other obvious thing here is Cameron Johnson. And I wanted to talk about him a little while ago, but then I realized I don't know if I have anything new to say. And I don't know if I have anything new to say today, but I think what what's obvious is this was an incredible game for him. 21 points, nine rebounds, three assists. He also did not miss a single shot from the field, although he did kick himself post-game for the missed free throw. I think that's a humble brag. I think that Cam Johnson was humble bragging there. Um, to be completely honest with you, you know, we talked about him not missing a, a shot in one of the questions at the media asked. He said, oh, I missed a free throw. It's like, okay, dude, we get it. You, uh, you had a 99.9% game. <laughs> Clearly, I'm kidding. He was awesome, and uh, I, I bet he did kick himself for that free throw. But while I don't necessarily have like a new observation about Cam Johnson per se on the offensive end, it goes. it has to be mentioned pretty consistently that this is the best season of his career, the best season from deep of his career, the most consistent overall season of his career, the healthiest most consistent season of his career from an on just being on the court perspective, getting minutes perspective. And um, it's obviously showing up. I mean, there have been games when he's closed for Monty Williams in that Portland overtime game last week. He closed with the Suns last five. He is a two sometimes, a three sometimes, a four sometimes. He is a gut ultimate green light and he has the confidence. Those three assists, I think, are pretty cool to see as well because he has grown as just a, a more well-rounded and, and aware and smarter offensive player. I'm not gonna, you know, try to say that he has become an elite passer by any means, but I do think he has at least become more cerebral out there and and understands kind of where people are going to be and, and how to keep the ball moving. And some nights that's gonna materialize in assists. The one way where I do think he actually has improved that that we saw a little bit tonight is that he sorry my microphone is like freaking out and I'm not going to be able to use this audio file I'm going to have to use it from the video. Look at that. You guys are hearing the production in real time. But the Cameron Johnson observation that I think did show up tonight is his on-ball defense. Um it feels like the Suns are really willing and, and interested in exploring what he could be as an on-ball defender. And we saw him defending Shea Gildas-Alexander at times tonight. We saw him guarding, um, you know, all, all over. The Suns switch a ton. But I guess the point being, they're not afraid to end up in that matchup. They're not in scramble emergency mode. If they see that Johnson is out there on the perimeter, 
having to defend his man. That doesn't scare this team. And so it's interesting to see. I think that's been one of the bigger changes about how he's being utilized by the coaching staff this year and, and sort of a growth area for his game. And it's going to make him more of a two-way player. It's going to make him more indispensable for this team. And I mean, the reality is there's not a lot of teams around the NBA who can say that they have three starting caliber, like above average starter level players uh, on the wing on their roster. It's just not common. And it's part of what sets this Suns team apart. And, and Johnson continuing to get better will be a big part of that. One team, though, that can and has historically been very proud and utilizes to a great degree its starting wings and its depth at that position is the Golden State Warriors, the Suns' opponent on Christmas Day. So I want to give you some thoughts about maybe what to expect in that matchup. First, though, a quick word from Truebill. One more time from Truebill. And what they do is a pretty big deal. They stop greedy corporations from pocketing your money, from scamming you with free trials automatically renewing. So download Truebill, the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. Truebill makes it incredibly simple to do this because companies like to not remind us that something is getting renewed. They like to do it Maybe let us know a couple months later. Maybe you just find out when the bill comes in. You don't actually realize it ever was happening in the first place. But Truebill, again, flips that on its head. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel the unwanted subscriptions in just one tap. Plus, your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel the unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to keep an eye on what is coming in, how much it is, how often it's being used. Put your subscriptions in Truebill's hands by going to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. This holiday season, pick the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar, or maybe even better, that's Built Bar. Filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with ticket and flavor, covered in chocolate, and amazingly low in the bad stuff, calories, sugar, carbs, and high in the good stuff. And that's obviously protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. Built Bar gives you the extra fuel. Maybe you are in the family hosting mode at this point. Maybe you have a few, few last-minute errands to run, getting supplies for the meal. Maybe you have a gift that you still need to buy. Whatever it might be, Built Bar gives you that extra fuel to get through the day. And look, it's not slowing down anytime soon. So even if you don't get your order in before Christmas, if you celebrate Christmas, you are uh, still looking at a couple more weeks of craziness around the holiday season. And then it's back to work. So look, things never stop. Built Bar gives you the energy, the power, the strength to get through all of it. So Dip into that old favorite, maybe try something new, maybe check out what's been put on to Built.com since the last time you were there. They have been adding and adding and adding, so I'd be pretty sure there's something in there that might be a new treat to try as well. So go to Built.com, make your purchase, use the promo code LOCK15 when you do to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Early thoughts on Suns Warriors Part 3. Of course, Devin Booker back. 
The Warriors do have Andrew Wiggins in the protocol. Andre Godala is still not active for this team. So, you know, not full strength Warriors, but this is still a team that just beat the four-seeded Memphis Grizzlies on Thursday night by nine points. Steph Curry went off for 46. Gary Payton Jr. scored 22. Draymond Green nearly had a double-double with assists. And the Warriors looked like themselves. So clearly still a scary team. They had Otto Porter and Gary Payton Jr. in there starting with some of their absences. Jordan Poole, the other guy who is in uh, in the protocol. No Clay Thompson. He is not going to be returning in time for this game. Despite all of us kind of quietly hoping for it, I think, for entertainment's sake, that's not happening. But I wanted to give you guys three things to keep an eye out for. So, I would say number one, don't be surprised if Devin Booker has a quiet scoring game. And the reason I say that is the Warriors have been defending in such a way that they are really selling out to stop pick and rolls and isolations because those are basically the two most common forms of offense in the NBA these days. And the Warriors have the personnel to squelch that out and they've been doing so. I highly recommend if you want to really geek out on this before tomorrow's game, check out thinking basketball. That's Ben Taylor's YouTube channel. He did an awesome, awesome video on the Warriors defensive innovation this year and why Draymond is so unique in allowing them to do that. But the basic idea is they overload the strong side and they mask how they defend. So you can imagine Devin Booker gets the ball maybe off of a, off of a screen and he catches the ball on the right wing and he's kind of surveying the floor. Well, the way that the Warriors are going to have their guys positioned in a situation like that is most likely if they're playing small, Draymond Green will be over on the right block, right in the path of Booker heading toward the basket, basically ignoring his man. And obviously Booker's man will still be there. But but beyond that, too, they'll have so much movement and deception going on with the other players who are zoning up the, the area behind Draymond Green and his aggressive help that it's going to be hard to tell what the defensive principles that the Warriors are using are in that moment. And it makes things slow down for opposing offenses and it limits those perimeter isolation and simple pick and roll sets. So Booker being the guy who tends to do that the most for the Suns, I think will maybe be the guy who who is hampered the most by that as a scorer. So what you'll look for instead is quick hitting threes. Can they can the Suns play in transition, not allow the Warriors defense to get set in the first place? Can they you know, have that one pass away type of three-pointer so that they can just get that up and not really have that defensive innovation bother them. And, you know, can they do some extra fluff on their pick and roll so that some of those things you're forcing the Warriors to continue to rotate in and respond to you, even if that initial plan of theirs works, you know, take them out of what they're trying to take you out of. You know what I mean? That domino effect, which brings us to number two, which is really a connective part of that problem that the Suns might face, which is at the end of the day, the Warriors still cannot stop Draymond Green. And there's really no way around, or I'm sorry, the Warriors still cannot stop 
DeAndre Ayton and Draymond Green, despite being as elite as he is, isn't necessarily going to either. And and it doesn't matter if they're small or big or whatever. Aiton has a height advantage because the thing about the Warriors is their quote unquote big lineups, especially now with James Wiseman still out, are still small. I mean, Kev- Kevon Looney is is not a you know massive behemoth of a center. He is pretty undersized and not a great athlete and not all that long or uh, you know bouncy himself. So Aiton can feast and. I wouldn't be surprised if, because at the end of the day, like you can imagine that that aggressive help and loading up the the side where the ball handler is and, and all these different tricks and are they in zone or not? And, you know, they're going to switch on and off the ball and always going to be communicating and all the things that have always made Golden State's defense so scary when they are healthy. Size trumps all of that, you know, like. If a, if a shot goes up, a contested shot by Booker or Paul or somebody else goes up and Aiton's by the basket, well, odds are he's going to have a pretty good shot to rebound that, you know, more often than not. And and we know the Suns are willing to let him do that, even if it sacrifices their transition defense a little bit, because I think they trust themselves to make shots consistently and the rest of their length to at least allow Aiton to get back into the play on defense. So we know he's going to attack the offensive glass. We know he has that height advantage. The other thing is, despite, you know, maybe what they what the Warriors do to squelch out pick and rolls and ISOs, like they that lob is always going to be there, you know, like even if there's a switch or there is extra help and some of these things that the Warriors like to do, if you have a guy who is seven feet tall at the basket and, you know, a straight path to to toss him the ball, there's there's really no defense against that except for having an equally big player stand next to that guy and prevent the lob and the Warriors just don't have that. So that type of thing, as simple as it sounds, should be there most of the night. And I think that's an area where Aiton will be important. Then obviously he's important on the defensive end as well. I mean, Curry having the multitude of looks to throw at Curry defensively is really important as is protecting the rim and all of that. So, you know, I think Aiton will be, Pretty probably the most important player for the Suns in this game when you consider what he's going to be asked to do on both ends. I would say last but not least here, um, the the third bullet point in this game that I'm going to you know be keeping track of is probably yeah I'm I'm thinking here because I'm trying to think of what defensively the Suns or what what the Warriors will try to do to score a little bit more consistently than they did against the Suns defense last time around. And what I think you probably have to count on is the Warriors doing a better job getting the ball to the short rolling person more consistently. Because if you remember, the thing that I kept harping on in that first matchup was that Draymond Juan Toscano Anderson and Nicole, uh, Nicola, it's not his first name, Nemanja Bielitsa were all pretty bad. I mean, they turned the ball over a lot, which Toscano Anderson tends to do in general, but he was particularly bad in that game. And Bielitsa was, was not himself and Draymond was not himself. And so if all those three guys are able to make plays on the short roller, but to distribute to the Warriors shooters, maybe out of the post and the different ways that they're utilized, then it 
can negate a little bit of what Bridges and Aiton are doing because it's taking the play away from them, right? And so it puts pressure on Booker and Crowder to be there and help and Paul to be there and help. And, you know, the other thing is Bridges and Aiton are the two biggest guys, right? They're the two most space-filling defenders that the Suns can throw. And so if those guys are, you know, being taken out of the play because Steph is giving the ball up and, you know, Draymond's now headed toward the basket with a, a three on two situation, then that starts to be a problem for obvious reasons. And it's particularly when the Suns know that, that they need to use Bridges to defend Curry. He's their best help defender. And so he is also out of the play rather than some teams where it might be a point of attack guy, you know, like Dylan Brooks on the, on, on Memphis. That's who they just played. Well, if Dylan Brooks is guarding Steph and then Steph gives the ball up, well, you still have, Jaron Jackson and Desmond Bain on the back end to help. And those guys are both pretty long and good and, and, and athletic themselves. So that's just a little bit of sort of the trickle down that I'm expecting heading into this game. Should be a fun one, presuming that everybody can stay healthy. I think we will see both teams at something close to full strength. And as long as the top, you know, two, three, four players on both sides are healthy and, and excellent, I think, that will make for entertaining basketball. I wanted to close out with a couple of thoughts on the ongoing back and forth around DeAndre Ayton because uh, Vince Goodwill was out in Phoenix. He writes at Yahoo Sports, and he wrote a really, really good feature story on the Suns that I recommend for everybody. But the big takeaway for me in specific was the comments that Monty Williams made about Ayton and his extension. So I want to just sort of respond and react to that and, you know, just sort of do a temperature check on where we are with that conversation. Before we get into that, though, a quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to make a bet on any sport through 2021 and beyond. BetOnline has you covered with more props, odds, and lines than anywhere else, as well as a new updated mobile website and desktop website. Again, your number one spot for all sports action all holiday season and beyond. Here's how you're going to take advantage, not only of all that good stuff, but a special offer as well. You're going to head to betonline.ag on the web or their mobile app. You're going to make an account. And when you do, you're going to use the promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account from football, basketball, even boxing and UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available throughout the rest of the year and into 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers. Bet online where the game starts. Closing out the show with a few thoughts on Monty's perspective uh, about DeAndre Ayton's extension. And I really thought it was one of the most handed quotes we've gotten from anybody about this situation. And maybe, you know, time heals all wounds type of situation is what's happening here. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's important. It's so important to, to do the temperature check here. And so I'm getting down to the part All right. What Monty Williams said is that he felt bad, that he felt not only bad, but personally responsible for DeAndre not getting that extension. 
that he didn't receive heading into the season. And, you know, I think we have to keep things in mind. On the one hand, Monty is, you know, very much a player first person, a culture first person. So he knows that what matters most is keeping the camaraderie and attitude and mood at the best place that it can be on this team. So whenever he's speaking, that's going to be in mind. I also think not to be so like redundant and, and, and kind of like blunt about it, but at the same time, when you are a head coach of the NBA or in any sport, you are asked to talk so much about not only things that you maybe don't care about, have never thought about, but also things that you don't have new things to say about. So I think that that could also be part of this is Monty trying to maybe over-explain a little bit. But here's what he said. I'll get to the point here. This is from Vincent Goodwill at Yahoo Sports again. Monty said he feels somewhat, quote, somewhat responsible unquote, for Aiton not getting his deal done, even though he's not part of the negotiations between Aiton and the front office and team ownership. Quote, from a personal perspective, I feel like I failed him, Williams said, because when we ask you to do all that we ask you to do and you go out there and do it and you still don't get what you want, that falls on my plate. Let's be real. Coaches survive in this league by winning. That's a fact. And so when those guys did what they did for the team, they elevated me, which is what I didn't deserve. So I wanted him to get everything he wanted, and I think he still will. How do players survive? Well, that's stats. Yet we're asking people to sacrifice their stats, touches, and all that. This is back to Goodwill. Williams called it, quote, the business, unquote, and lamented the widespread belief that the Suns organization doesn't value Aiton, but routinely applauds Aiton for his approach. Quote, the thing I'll say about him, he has not changed his game one bit. He still plays unselfish basketball. He still does everything he did last year. He's just better, unquote, Williams said. So, you know, do with that what you will in terms of the level that you buy into it, that you believe it, that you think it's the true answer. I don't necessarily know all of that, but I do think it's at least the most deeply considered comment that we've heard from anybody involved here, really, aside from Aiden, who has commented on it several times and does so in this piece, kind of reiterating the same perspective, which is he's dealt with chaos pretty much the whole time he's been playing basketball and he's trying to move past it, and, you know, there's only so much dwelling and disappointment and, you know, feeling sorry for yourself that you really can do before you just have to move on because there's nothing left to do about it until next summer when it can be renegotiated. Aiton has said that. Monty has said what he has said. But this quote, you know, it, it, it I mean, it really, really put Monty in a camp that I think is the main way that a lot of fans feel. What more do you want from this player? You're asking him to do something. You're, you can only judge a player on the level of productivity and execution that, they, that they're given the space to do. You can't, you can't measure what a player doesn't do or what he could do because, well, if he does what he's supposed to do, then that's, that's the end of the conversation. And so basically Monty is, is siding with those people here by kind of agreeing, like, what – what it took for this team to win was for Aiton to do that. We got incredibly close to the goal of winning a championship, and he's not rewarded for that. And I think that's always been the case on Aiton's side, and I think it will continue to be that case, especially, as Monty said, as Aiton does it better. I mean, executes that role at a higher level and expands that role. We've seen both of those things happening this season. So, you know, Probably nothing has changed here. It does at least beg the question a little bit of, you know, 
how did Monty feel at the time? And, and what were the conversations like between James and Monty? Was it just, this isn't the right time? Was it, let's see what he can do? Was it, uh, you know, or is the front office still under the impression that Aiton will never get that, that, that deal? Maybe that's a possibility. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. Whereas Monty thinks that Aiton's continuing to get better and deserves that. I don't, I'm not trying to to craft something up that's not there, but I think that's interesting. And the fact that there are so many different people involved here is interesting. I mean, we heard Chris Paul saying you're going to get your bag. And then of course that didn't happen. So we know Chris Paul is probably a little bit surprised here. It wouldn't surprise me if others were as well. Lastly, I think it's interesting, you know, to note that Monty said, I think he still will get what he deserves. And that makes me again, feel like Monty Believes in Aiton, values him really highly, and leans toward the side of paying Aiton. I mean, that's really what it's kind of like Monty's wading into our, our great Twitter arguments here every few weeks about DeAndre. Like he's sort of he's sort of casting his his lot here in that argument. And it's clear where he comes down. And it's interesting to to see all those thoughts put into one place. Monty hasn't really touched on it on a deeper level like that, at least in a while, but I don't really think he ever did. So I recommend the piece. I recommend uh, Vince actually flew out here, spent like a week in Phoenix, went to, I believe, two or three home games. He really did the work. He really got to feel what it's like to follow this team day in and day out for a while. And so I recommend it. He put a lot of work into it. And um, I, I was I was watching him do it in real time. So I can vouch for the fact that he did a good job. And the piece has a lot in it. It's you know pretty long and extensive and, and thorough. So go check that out. Those are just my initial highlights and takeaways from it. But that's it, guys. Another week in the books here on Locked on Suns. Thanks for making Locked on Suns your first listen every day. We'll be back. Can't decide. I, I might do a sort of emergency Saturday episode. We'll see. We'll see what happens in the Warriors game and whether it's uh, – it's a game worthwhile. We'll see when it happens, if it happens. Everything is so tangled that I don't want to commit. But you will hear from me not too shortly. And uh, until then, enjoy your families. Enjoy the holidays. Enjoy what, what you're able to do. And, and don't fret too much about what you're not able to do. It's just one of those times to sit back and be appreciative, I think. Uh, we all have dealt with another crappy and crazy year. And it's nice to just relax for those who are able. So... I will be doing a little bit of that myself, and I will talk to you guys on the other side.